Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. This is episode number 72 of the GateWorld Podcast. I'm Darren. And I'm Justin. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate. Our regular co-host, David, is on assignment this week, so we have Justin Nolan here from the Fifth Race Podcast. Justin, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. I'm super excited to be here. Sweet. We had you on, um, I don't know, it must have been like last summer when we did our, what was it, our 50th show? 50th show, your one-year, 50th show slash one-year anniversary show. That's right. Well, you are the co-host of uh, the other big Stargate podcast on the web. Before we jump in and talk about Justice, this week's uh, new episode of Stargate Universe, which was also the big mid-season finale, tell us uh, what you and Tim have going on at the fifth race these days. Well, basically, we're just going through... um, We started with SG-1, and we're still on SG-1. We're going episode by episode. And um, Tim has never seen Stargate before we started recording the podcast and we sit down, we watch one episode and then we record about it. So we're up to like episode 101. So Tim has seen 101 episodes of Stargate. So every episode is new for the first time for Tim. Nice. And then we um, tackle it from a, I've seen every episode of all the Stargate shows more than once. Guy that's um, super geeky or you're a know-it-all. The, you're the master, or, he's the Padawan. Right. And so we attack it from both angles, and a lot of people say that it's it's they're like rediscovering the show again because through Tim's eyes because he's never seen it, and Tim's a huge sci-fi fan, and I have no idea why he's never watched Stargate before this, but everybody seems to like the mix that we have going on at our show, so it's it's pretty awesome. That's great. So you guys are almost halfway through SG One. This is this is a long-term project. It, it is a very long-term project. We've record, like I said, we recorded like 101 or something, and we've released, I think we released 91 this last week. What do you think about, uh, just briefly before we get into the, this week's episode, what do you think about SGU overall so far? I love SGU. I've been doing live shows with, depending upon who's around, I haven't done them for the last couple of episodes because doing live shows for them by myself aren't very much fun. But I love SGU. I love the character of Eli and Chloe. And Rush just has me intrigued, but I'm, I'm super excited. SGU is definitely a hit. The cliffhanger of this episode was like, wow. And I can't wait to see where they go from here. Yeah, I think this one really delivered. Let's talk about Justice. The main discussion. You don't think he really did it. I'm not so sure what to think anymore. Spencer was a menace, though. We all know it. I mean, maybe it's just like Rush said. Maybe he thought he had no other choice. No, that's crazy. Well, let's face it, how well do any of us really know the man? Justice is episode 10 of Stargate Universe. It is the mid-season finale, and you are not going to see any more Stargate Universe until it looks like sci-fi is probably going to start uh, back up in April. I I like Justice. I mean, what what is there to say other than this is this was a really cool, strong episode of Stargate, and like many of our callers who will get to uh, in due time, a lot of them start out their call with, Wow. Justice is a wow episode. Would you say this is the best episode so far? Uh, I think that time has has kind of a cool out-of-the-box factor that, that still makes it my favorite of the first ten. But Justice is definitely close. It's definitely up there. I would go with that, too. T- time was really weird. The way they ended time was like, what? Yeah, like a cliffhanger that's not really a cliffhanger. 
but Justice is just, I mean, is definitely, a cl- I mean, I love cliffhangers, and I can't wait to see what happens in the next episode, so. Yeah, so we'll talk about the cliffhanger for sure in due time, but uh, this one starts off with the death of Sergeant Spencer, old Baldy, who we've been kind of teasing a little bit. This guy has been the the lit fuse, the crazy psycho marine who's been, been popping pills, and now we find out that they were sleeping pills, and he's been out for a week, and... The poor guy leaves a suicide note into a kino and then offs himself. We actually don't find out that the part about the suicide note till later. We just find him dead, and everybody's like, "It's not a suicide. There's no gun." Does this surprise you that that Spencer went this way? I really thought that there was going to be more drama with him. To be honest with you, I thought yeah. that he was going to cause a lot more trouble, at least through season one, with um, not getting along with other other people on the ship. I was totally surprised that he died in this episode. Yeah, he seemed to be a troublemaker, and I was I was surprised that it was, first of all, that, that they killed him off, and second, that it was a suicide. Yeah, this guy was was, uh, was one to worry about. I thought that he was a, a much bigger problem for, for Colonel Young and for the crew than somebody like Rush was. But, you know, one thing about Justice that I loved was that we're really sort of starting to pay off a lot of what's been set up in the previous nine episodes. There's a lot of payoff in Justice. All the stuff with Spencer and, and his his pill popping and just just going nuts being trapped on board this ship. I don't know, a, a few other things stood out to me in the episode. Obviously the chair, um, the setup in the chair in the last episode. So all those little elements are sort of coming into this episode and starting to pay off. And there's, I mean, we've, we've been sort of critiquing the show a bit for for the fact that it's been kind of slow paced but when you when you do slow paced and then you get to a payoff the payoff episodes are really cool and this felt like the first of of a payoff yes this was, this was definitely very payoffy i guess if that's a word i mean there was just so much stuff that, that came, like you said that came along me was interested to see what happens with the ancient chair and dr franklin and whether i mean is he going to have advanced knowledge or is it just going to be something that like totally messes him up yeah poor Franklin let's talk about him I think we're supposed to be led to believe he decides to sit in the chair although we we don't actually see it I mean you don't think that Rush threw him in there do you I'm kind of wondering the the uh, the shot ends with with him sending Eli off to go get him some potatoes and uh, the shot ends with Franklin or the scene ends with Franklin kind of eyeing the chair uh, and then you find out that he sat down in it. Um, but when Young gets back, gets the call from Eli and rushes back to the chair room, Rush is already there. So I'm kind of wondering if Eli came back with the potatoes and Rush had already arrived to relieve Franklin. Because remember, Franklin told Eli that Rush was going to relieve him at, at 2300. So if Eli came back and found Rush in the room already... It's entirely possible that he came along and, and either manipulated Franklin into sitting in the chair or maybe took the opportunity to shove him in the chair. Rush just seems to be more and more morally gray as we go. And I wonder if it's really, if he isn't going to be the big bad. I mean, that's, that's maybe why they haven't introduced like a Gould or a Wraith at the beginning of the series is because it's one of our guys who's on the ship is actually the, the primary antagonist for the series. Yeah. I mean, Rush has been such a, a... I mean, he's a manipulator, and he's a manipulated, uh, you know, people and emotions. I went off about how he manipulates Chloe in Air Part 2 after her dad dies, and his little stunt that he pulled tricking Telford back in Earth. 
But otherwise, he's kind of just been relaxed. You know, he's not really actively tried to do anything until now. So, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, if he's going to be a villain, I mean, the villain of the piece, I think they've got uh, a ways to go to establish that really sort of evilness about him. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he definitely, I mean, he did, he did his part being fairly evil on this episode in general with setting up Young. Why did he even need to do that other than, I mean, he just wanted a change in command so he could get someone to sit in the chair, right? Yeah, I think so. That seems to be his, his agenda. He knows Young is not going to let him do what he thinks needs to be done, like sticking somebody in the chair. So he wants, he wants Young to step down and he sees an opportunity and grabs it. Do you think Ray was any, is any more better off for him, or do you think she would make someone or order someone to sit in the chair? I don't think she would order someone to sit in the chair, but I think that she's uh, really easy for Rush to push around. Probably a lot easier than Young. Yeah, Young seems to know the score with Dr. Rush. He, he knows what's going on. He sees through his games two steps ahead, and I think this episode is pretty good proof that Ray is, is not that... But at the same time, I mean, we all saw this chair in the last episode and wanted to see what it was and wanted to see the science team working on it. And apparently Young didn't even want the science team to be studying it. Which is really baffling other than, I mean, what harm could come of studying it as long as nobody sat in the chair? Yeah. But poor Dr. Franklin. Yeah, I wondered at first if it was, is it scientific curiosity that made him decide to sit in the chair? Is he, is he trying to be a hero to help save everybody? I mean, that's that's a pretty major move for a guy who's sort of complaining all the time. I don't think he did it just out of scientific curiosity. He doesn't strike me as someone that's going to put his life on the line yeah. to save everybody. So why do you think he did it? Assuming that he did do it on purpose. I guess it just didn't click with me that Rush might have made him do it. I think Rush either convinced him to do it or did it like he sat down in it or he pushed him in the chair and did it or something. Yeah, based on what we know about Franklin so far, which is admittedly not very much, I don't see him volunteering, and I don't see him doing it when nobody else is in the room. Just because, I mean, he thinks he's... He's read the mission reports about Jack O'Neill and thinks that he's going to get superpowers for a day or something like that. I don't see Franklin doing that, so I've really got to default back to Rush wanted this to happen. He went to pretty great lengths to get Young out of the way, and then went and had his little manipulation scene with Camille to get full control of his science team. Notice that he turned around and walked out of, of her office or of her quarters without actually getting a response from her. It's like, I'm going to turn around and walk away now, and you're going to have to actually stop me if you don't want me to go do this. So he's, again, he's being, he's, he knows people. He's being very manipulative with people. But uh, he went to such great lengths that that uh, I'm kind of thinking that he he didn't just manipulate Franklin into doing this. He probably forced him. I think I would agree with that. That's my crazy theory for the week. So what do you think about the the trials and the laws and the way they handle all that on Destiny? There's a lot interesting going on here. We kind of wondered. Obviously, we knew that, that an episode titled Justice was coming up. We kind of wondered what the legal situation was going to be when, when a crime was committed or was perceived to be committed. And this is it. This is exactly what we got. I liked the way that they handled it a lot. They basically fall into an evidentiary hearing, so Young is not on trial. The first thing that I loved about it was that Young is completely above board. Again, he's, he's, he's probably my favorite character of the show so far. Scott gives him an out, you know, wants to sort of hide the evidence and, and try and use that to flesh out whoever's framing him. Young says, no, no, we're not going to do that. 
And Chloe, thank goodness, is given something to do. This is something, I don't know if you've been, been listening to our show, but David and I have been harping about the fact that Chloe is, is not really doing anything on the ship other than sitting around mooning over Matt. But uh, she's given something to do with which is in line with her skill set, and she's actually really good at it. Elise, I think, knocked this one out of the park. She, ha- she had something to work with other than, isn't Matt such a nice guy? She's really active in, with Camille in those scenes, and then that last scene in the hallway with Camille. What was that? We're trying to get to the truth here. I don't think that's even possible. We can't afford to have an unsolved murder hanging over our heads. So forget about the possibility that the Colonel is being framed and just get this over I don't think Colonel Young is so far above reproach as you seem to think he is. Oh, well, you're the human resources person. You would know all about that. In fact, you probably know more about every person on this ship than anyone. If we're throwing due process out the window, who do you think did it? We'll just go with that. That's a nice moment for the, for that character that I've been waiting a long time to see. I mean, I was excited to see that Chloe had something to do because she's definitely one of my favorite characters. I was wondering what they were going to do with her because she needs something to do. And this was definitely a very awesome Chloe episode. But um, I, I thought it was very interesting the way they, they handled this and the way that Young handled it, too. It just seems like a lesser character would have just been like, OK, let's hide the evidence and see if we can't figure out who did this. Because he should have known that the IOA, I mean, he knew, I guess, that the IOA was surely trying to make a move for the control of the destiny. It'd be interesting to know what the split is between military personnel and civilian personnel. Though I would bet that if the military wanted to keep control, that they could do it no matter what, because they have weapons that are trained. Yeah, which is a, a great point. It comes up a couple times in this episode that the military guys are basically thinking, this is not okay we are going to now go take our guns and put an end to this, basically, is is what Greer says. And he's got, apparently, people willing to follow him. So that's a huge question coming up, and, and I think it's leading up to something uh, that we're going to see when the show comes back, is there's a, a developing culture of military versus civilian. And Young makes that great point when he asks Chloe to be his, his defense attorney, basically. But he says, I know Camille is going to be coming after me, the Iowa is going to be coming after me, and I don't want Lieutenant Scott or somebody in the military to be defending me because then it looks like military versus civilian on our ship. He's a smart guy. He is very smart. Yeah, the other thing about the trial that uh, caught my attention was the question has come up uh, online the last few weeks. Why don't we use the communication stones to basically bring in experts? So when we have this problem, we take one of these nobodies and swap them out with a, a Rodney McKay or a Sam Carter who can get the Destiny home in an hour and a half. What kind of show would that be, though, then? The, the reason why the first season of Atlantis, they weren't able to c- contact Earth, was otherwise we'd just send SG-1 in to save the day every day. And mm-hmm. right. how exciting would that be if, if Sam and Rodney had to come to the Destiny every time that something was broke? How, how <laughs> I mean, I'd love to see it there, don't get me wrong, but that wouldn't be Stargate Universe. That'd be Stargate, Rodney, and Sam. You know? Yeah, it's it's part of the show. Part of the nature of the show is, is that it's more realistic characters, so we basically we don't have any heroes, which is something that I want to talk about when we get to what Young does at the end of the episode. But there are no heroes in this show. There are no super smart, heroic uh, archetypes. Uh, there's no brash, always makes the right decision heroes like John Shepard or, or uh, Jack O'Neill. There's no super smart scientist who can save the day or right after the last commercial break before the credits roll. Uh, but this episode deals with that also that we can't necessarily 
I guess we could, but it doesn't necessarily always benefit us to go rushing back to Earth to get experts. Camille and Chloe have this little debate during the trial whether we could go back and get a forensic expert and bring them on the ship, and would that help? Even if we didn't have all the equipment to be able to do fingerprinting and, and all that, would a forensic expert help us be able to figure out what happened? That was a nice touch. Because the communication stones are, I mean, as, as much as they give us uh, opportunities for interesting science fiction storytelling, uh, they're also a bit of a hindrance, because then you have to deal with those questions. Why don't we go get a forensic expert who could come in here and solve this crime in an hour? Look what happened when they used the communication stones to try to um, fly into the sun and power the, the gate and use the entire power of the sun to dial home. Look how that ended. Yeah. I remember something that I wanted to bring up when, when you were talking about heroes. Didn't it seem like Young was kind of that guy up until the last part of this episode? Mm -hmm. Didn't Young seem like he was there, like, I'm not going to leave a man behind when Scott was trapped in the ice ravine and whatever, but yet he just right. left Rush so he left Rush on the planet and didn't even seem to care. Granted, he did just frame him for murder, but that just seemed very not heroic-like, I guess. Young is, is definitely a stand-up guy. I mean, he does the right thing here with a trial and not covering up the evidence and, and uh, ceding command of the ship. And uh, in this episode, he's... Uh, I mean, we can, we can jump to the end now. He basically, I think, becomes guilty of... Pretty much the same thing that Rush framed him for. Rush framed him for murder, and he's left this guy behind to die on this barren planet, basically. Isn't he guilty now of, of what Rush framed him for? I don't know. I think I wouldn't say it was murder, because it's obvious he's not going to die. I mean, it's like if you leave somebody in a desert on Earth, and, you know, there's a slim chance they're going to live. I don't think that's murder, per se, until you find a dead body or prove that he's dead. But it's definitely... Attempted murder, maybe? Yeah, murder by neglect, sort of. Something like that. Manslaughter. He is a military guy, and if, if Rush is the one that's causing the most problems on the ship, if uh, Young sees Rush as the big bad... He's a hostile he... force. Rush is basically, I guess, sort of declared war, quote-unquote, on Young. And the, I missed this exchange at the end of the episode the first couple times, and I had to actually go back and listen to it closely to figure out what the dialogue was. After they have their fight, just before Young knocks Rush unconscious, he picks him up and says, are we done? And Rush says, we'll never be done. So I think he's basically declared war. He says, I'm just going to keep coming at you because I think you're the wrong man for the job. Um, this is never going to be over. You're not going to put me in my place. You know, that's when he headbutts him and knocks him out. That seems to be the moment when he decided for sure to leave him behind. That he didn't necessarily go with the plan to, to leave Rush behind, but definitely, I think, had it as an option. I, I would agree that that was the moment. It looked like that they were just going to throw down, and or he wanted to throw down and be like, okay, I am the guy in charge. I know you did this. You need to straighten up. And when Rush was like, this is never going to end, Young was like, all right, well, I'm leaving you. Yeah, I mean, there's there's an ethical question right there. Did, did he do the right thing? Did he do the wrong thing? Was he ethically justified? I gotta think that the better option would have just been to throw him in the brig forever, or at least until he decided he wanted to shape up. I think this is a tough thing for Young's character because he has been such a stand-up guy, and I've sort of cheered him on making these these uh, good calls, these these good ethical decisions. Yeah, this is personal. I mean, the guy framed him for murder and uh, lost command of the ship and, and so put everybody's lives at risk, I think, in Young's mind. But uh, it's not personal in the sense that Telford 
got personal. Telford went to his house and, and started making nice-nice with his wife. Uh, and and he went back to Earth and, and gave Telford a beatdown because of that. It doesn't seem like the feud with Rush is necessarily quite as personal, but by now it, it sure has become that way. You know, another option would have been just to take Rush back to the ship and throw him in the chair and zap him too. Yeah, well then that's kind of... Especially after you've already seen what the chair does, that's that's more deliberate murder. <laughs> I think that Young can justify this to himself. I think that he can he can justify leaving the guy behind on a planet because he's bad. Not just not just that he's Young's personal enemy. He's undermining his command, but he's bad for the ship. You know, you know, Eli realizes this too, right? I mean, obviously, was I the only one that realized that or not? Like, but Eli knows what it, what was going on. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, I think that that seems to be the case, and and Eli actually says at the end of the episode that even Lieutenant Scott didn't see the end of the recording that revealed that Rush was the one who did it all. Do you think it was weird how everybody just agreed, okay, that Young made it back, but Rush didn't, after the whole ice planet where he wasn't going to leave Scott behind? Yeah, and especially when you bring in all the Stargate history that we have from the SGC, that we don't leave our people behind. Even if we don't like our people very much, it seems like somebody should have said, or maybe in the future, will question why Young left him behind, because that's not what SGC people do. He basically kept hauling it to the Stargate to save himself, according to his story, where, where Rush uh, got caught up in a rock slide. That's probably going to come back and bite him eventually, although it's going to definitely come back and bite him when Rush gets back. Yeah, then what's, uh, how secure is your command then? When Rush comes back and, and tells people what really happened and, and everybody finds out that you lied and deliberately tried to maroon him there. Although Rush is manipulative, maybe, I, I can't imagine him covering it up a little bit. Maybe he'll spin it some way that he puts Young under his thumb, you know what I'm saying? He uses that. Yeah, that'd be cool. But, and keep the secret. Yeah. Do, do we want to talk about the alien ship? Yeah, let's talk about the alien ship. I mean, were you surprised when they were like, that spoke a moment too soon, look, and there was a ship. A, we haven't really seen any intelligent aliens so far, would be a good way to put it, I guess. I mean, you wouldn't consider those ones in time intelligent or the dust particles really intelligent no. aliens, would you? No, the dust particles and the the creepy things that burrow through your chest, I think, are just, uh, they're, they're monsters, they're, they're animals. Um, the only thing that we've seen is that ship, that little pod that detached from Destiny at the end of Air Part 3. I forgot about that. And, uh, yeah, so we know that there's somebody else out there. I would guess that this is probably the ship belongs to the same species. It's possible, I guess, that it's even the same pod. To me, the ship looked like it had crashed, and you know, it kind of had dust blown over it over time, like it had been abandoned for a while. What do, what do you think is going to come of the alien ship? I mean, do you think... Rush is going to get inside of it and contact the aliens, or...? Um, if I had to make predictions for Space, which is the next episode that's going to be along in the spring, I think a lot of people are, are probably with me in, in saying, well, Rush is, is stranded on this desolate planet, and he's next to a ship. So I think he's going to get inside of it, probably, and figure out how to fly it and uh, catch up with the Destiny. I mean, but I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit too much because, I mean, just that alone is is far, far more than Rush has been able to do in in the weeks that they've been on the Destiny. I mean, getting inside the ship, figuring out how to fly it, figuring out where the Destiny went, getting the ship working again—that's kind of a lot for one guy to do. I mean, it depends upon how much time passes because we don't really know how fast the Destiny goes per se. But I gotta think it's gonna be hard to catch and hard to know where it went. Maybe Rush is 
further along in the destiny and he's not letting everybody know and he has like some kind of tracking device on it or knows how to track it. Yeah, what I'm interested in seeing first is if there's a crashed ship, then presumably it had a pilot. I'm interested in whether when Rush gets in there, if he finds a dead body of an alien or if uh, maybe the alien left the ship and, and took its chances or, or went to the Stargate. Um, but I'm interested in seeing if there's anybody in there, whether it's a dead body, if the ship is really, really old, or if maybe the crash is not so so old, if maybe there's somebody still alive in there. You know, one of the weird things, too, is Rush, I mean, it's not like he can just dial back either, because he probably didn't have a, a dialing device with him. Yeah, one of the little portable Kino remotes that serves as a DHG, he didn't seem to have one. Well, let me ask you one thing here. Uh, before we wrap up the justice discussion and move on to quibbles, let me ask you... Overall, in the first half of Stargate Universe Season 1, do you find these characters to be uh, fun to watch? And I ask that because this is one of the criticisms that the show has received online. Uh, Because they're not really heroic, uh, that it's tough to watch a character who you're not sure if you want to root for him or not. And I've been rooting for Young since the first episode. Young has been my favorite character all along. And at the end of this episode, I mean, he does something that is story-wise really cool and daring. But as far as a character goes, it's, uh, I mean, as we said, it's its kind of a not very nice thing for him to do. So uh, our, our heroes on this show are unheroic, deliberately so. I'm looking at these characters like Young, and I'm not sure who to root for. I'm not sure if I really want to root for anyone. I mean, I enjoy watching him. I don't think Eli's that heroic. But I, I love watching him. I would still say that I'm in Young's corner in a sense. I really hope that at one point we find out 100% why he made his decision in justice to leave Rush behind. And, I mean, if he could spin it the right way to make it look heroic, and if it's kind of like Young thought that he was going to end up being the big bad and was more harm than good, then, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily not heroic. Yeah, like taking out Hitler before he really does his damage. Right. I, I still enjoy it thoroughly. I mean, I mean, I only watch three shows, three new shows for the most part, and it's one of my three favorites. So. Yeah, I definitely like it. I mean, I like that it makes us ask these questions about about our quote unquote heroes. Why are they making decisions that are so ethically dubious? It's it's definitely entertaining storytelling, and the end of this episode is just great. I mean, it's such a, a visceral fight scene between these guys that you you almost feel like you're there, getting your your head bashed into the sand with Rush. I mean, Young is is sort of the he's the leader of the ship. He's sort of Jack O'Neill, and and he does something that's that's really kind of horrible, deliberately leaving a man behind. Um, I was watching this with my wife, and the episode that she thought of was The Other Side in Season 4. The end of the episode, uh, SG-1 comes back from, from Uranda, uh, Odo's planet, and... I was just going to say Odo's that, planet. Yeah, I, I always call Alar Odo. Uh, Alar is the name of the character played by René Auberjonois. I always call him Odo. Uh, so Odo's following him through Stargate, and Jack says, close the iris, and kills Odo. That's kind of a dark moment for Jack O'Neill. Um, this is this is the darkest that I think Young has gone. It's it's really interesting and compelling, for sure. So, but this is a nice cliffhanger with with uh, Rush sort of waking up in the dark and looking up into the sky and realizing what's happened to him. I mean, so that's a nice way for the show to go out for its first ten. I can't imagine a much better way for it to end because I'm incredibly intrigued and can't wait to see what happens. 
So overall, what do you think of Justice? I really like it. I think it's the best of the season so far, followed by time. I think it's a it's a really strong episode. It's definitely in my top two or three for the season so far. One of the criticisms that has been leveled by a lot of people at, at life was that it was just character drama. It was it was going back to Earth and uh, a little bit with the chair on the destiny, but, but mostly it was Young and Scott and Camille back on Earth, and it was just character drama, and everybody was saying, well, where's my sci-fi? I think that Justice is an excellent, excellent example of when SGU gets it right, when it does character drama that is sci-fi in in, uh, in nature. And not, not even that a murder mystery is, is sci-fi in nature, but, I mean, we're on the destiny. We're on the spaceship, and the implications of Young stepping down and, and who's going to go sit in that chair, and, and is Rush going to get his way? This is all sort of couched in, in the science fiction mythology of what SGU is, is setting up so far. So this was a good character drama episode that I think was still was still good sci-fi. Definitely one of the best of the of the show so far. It's time for quibbles. My first quibble is: is it weird that the Kino that Eli sent out in search mode just happened to find Spencer, and he decides to talk into it <laughs> and give his suicide video? You picture Aquino in search mode sort of wandering through the corridors and peeking into people's quarters and deciding, eh, I think I'll go into Spencer's quarters. Just as he's getting ready to kill himself so he can talk to me. Oh, look, Aquino. I think I'll leave a suicide note. Yeah, that's a good point. I kind of assumed that Spencer actually went out and found it because he deliberately wanted to leave a suicide note, so he went out and, f- and grabbed one. I mean, I just assume it was the one that Lee- Eli sent out in search mode. Well, I'd be wondering whether Spencer really knows how to use the Kino, so he'd have to find one that was active, probably. I'm surprised Rush didn't figure out that, you know, maybe Eli had made backup copies or, you know, of the video or something, that he'd be that sloppy. After the hearing ends, no one really voices concern over having a murderer walking around the ship. Or, at, at best, if it really was a suicide and somebody walked in and found the gun and took it, at best, you've got somebody walking around the ship who framed Young. So the the hearing is eventually ended because uh, of insufficient evidence against Young. And I know that this is really the way that it, it tends to work in criminal justice on Earth. You only have so much evidence, you only have so many leads, and when you're all tapped out and you can't prove your case against your suspect, you have unsolved cases. That's the way it goes. But uh, for an hour of television, it, it felt like you know, maybe a line of dialogue from somebody saying, well, what are we going to do? We have, do we have a murderer wandering on the ship? There's definitely one of the two wandering on the ship somewhere. And it, it is interesting. I didn't really think of that. I don't it know. It is really interesting, though, that, that Camille basically wanted to put Young's future, his, his yes or no, guilty or not guilty, she wanted to put it up to a vote by the entire ship. Just because of that, I bet there's more civilians on the ship than there is military personnel. I bet it would have came down to... Most of the military would have sided with Young, and most of the civilians would have probably sided with Ray. How easily Eli found the gun. Yes, the gun. Scott and Eli walked into Young's quarters. Scott walked across it, looked down, turned around, walked back over, and Eli's kind of like, I don't know, doing circles or something. And he's like, okay, there's nothing here, let's go. And Eli just happens to look at the air vent, which it's dark in the quarters. Like, I could seriously maybe think of seeing this if there was lights on. 
but then it's like, let's look in the air vent, and the gun's Yeah, he's there. like shining a shining a flashlight up towards it, and, and it's not even like the grate on the air vent is such that, that from the other side of the room you could kind of see through the holes. Yeah. It was like, I think I'm going to look in the air vent now, because if I was hiding a gun, that's where I would put it. Even though he's been apparently searching several rooms before this with what? Scott, and, and I don't think has been searching all the air vents. I think I'd been more happier if they would have searched it or showed the searching of an air vent before that, you know, so I mean, like maybe yeah. they're checking all the air vents, but yeah, that would make more sense. I got to agree with this quibble. That was, that was a little out of nowhere for, for Eli to decide to check the vent because it didn't seem like you could really see any sign of a gun or any sign that the vent had been taken out and replaced. In fact, the second time I watched it, I was, kind of wondering if there was any possible way as as uh, nice and beloved a character as Eli's been so far if there's any possible way that he could be in league with with Rush to frame Young because he went and picked that gun out of some place where he should not never have, have thought to look man if that was the case I would be so upset <laughs> you're an Eli lover I, I'm an Eli lover he's just he's the everyman he just reminds me of myself I mean, I said he, yeah, that my first live of, show. He reminds me of David. I think I told David this in, in one of our previous shows, especially when he's he's making comments about, about backing up Kino footage to his hard drive for his documentary. I mean, that's David. That is funny. There's a bit of a dangling plot thread, which maybe maybe this was the result of, of the fact that they intended to tie it up in the next episode. Uh, obviously, we're going to get back to Franklin and the fact that Franklin is in a catatonic state after his exposure to the chair. But uh, remember the last time that we saw Franklin, Ray was ordering TJ to give him an, an injection of something to hopefully maybe try and bring him out. She orders TJ to give him this injection, and, and she says, yes, ma'am. But we never find out what happens. Did she give him the injection? Did the injection do anything? Did it not do anything? So I assume we're coming back to it, but it was just sort of a dangling plot thread for this episode. Yeah, that was weird. And you could see that Young was against that, at least in his eyes. He's like, because he was there too, right? Yeah. And he he walked away, and then she did it. What do you yeah. think is going to happen to poor Franklin? I don't is know. Is he going to wake up with the secrets of the universe in his head? Some of them, maybe. Like, if it's a 1.0 device. I mean, think about it. Depending upon, I mean, how much ancient knowledge there was at the time, theoretically, he could wake up and be fine and just be really smart. Because if the destiny truly is many millions of years old, maybe it's not downloading as much data like the little face gravity devices that are in the Milky Way galaxy. Though I think I would much rather have a face gravity device to me as opposed to stick the rods into my head and yeah. plead. Man, that was gruesome. I did not expect that, that it was actually going to physically shove those rods into your head. I was quite shocked. But I really think he'll wake up and probably have some knowledge and maybe be able to activate the ship and, you know, help us out a bunch. Yeah, I like the idea that maybe he's going to come back with the, the secret password to access some of the control systems and that Rush is going to have to rely on him. That was the other thing I was wondering. What if Franklin comes back and he's smarter than Rush? I mean, he knows more about the ancients now than Rush does. When he gets back, it'll probably drive him crazy. Yeah, there's all sorts of interesting things that they can do with this, and I'm glad that they, they stuck kind of a secondary supporting character like Dr. Franklin into that chair and not had, you know, Young decide to be the hero like Jack O'Neill in Lost City and jump into the chair or, you know, get really PO'd at Rush for framing him and shove him into the chair. 
That's kind of how I suspected that the episode was going to end, was that he was going to find out that Rush framed him, and instead of stranding him on a planet, he was going to shove him into the chair. But uh, I'm glad they went this way with uh, doing it with Franklin instead. Why did Rush and Young go to the ship if they only had a few minutes? Like, did that not seem like, you know, they put it off, and then, well, how long until we leave? And then they get there, and they're like, okay, we, we've got to go, or we're, we're going to get stranded. And Rush is like, well, a couple minutes. And then they basically just get back in time. I mean, did that not yeah. seem like almost wasted effort? Yeah, I understand Rush's scientific curiosity that he wants to at least try, see if he can can figure something out that, that Volker couldn't, that maybe they can find something to take back with them. But yeah, it's this question about why does the Destiny give us two hours instead of 36 hours on this planet? It seems to, in the past, when we were going to the planet because we needed something, it was giving us just enough time to get it and get back in a dramatic fashion. I mean, what was the point in going to this planet? I mean, was it to find the alien ship, you think? Or was I there... think the Destiny would have any, any way of knowing that the alien ship was there, unless it was there when the Cedar ship put the Stargate down. Um, and why it would only give us a couple of hours to explore an alien ship. Uh, I don't think that's what's going on. I think that this episode's actually a, a good bit of evidence that the Destiny does not just dial up planets where we need something, and then we have to go and go to the planet and figure out what we need. Um, that it actually just comes in range of a Stargate that was planted and dials it up. Hmm. I mean, it's interesting that in the first episode, what, what, how many came up? Five or three or something, and they went to the one, all the other ones were locked out, and they mm-hmm. sent them to the one we needed. I mean, if the Destiny is in a galaxy, shouldn't the Destiny theoretically be able to dial any, gal- any Stargate in the galaxy? Like, in the Milky Way galaxy, we can dial any gate pretty much in the galaxy. Shouldn't there be hundreds of gates that it should dial at any time? Well, I was wondering after that episode, I was speculating that maybe that means there's only like five Stargates that were planted in that entire galaxy, which would be interesting. Brad has, has actually commented in, in an interview that these early model Stargates are not as, as powerful as the Milky Way gates, so they can't cross an entire galaxy. Well, I guess, I mean, that's but a possibility. That yeah, that hasn't been established in canon yet. I guess Rush and Young, if Rush could have got the ship open, maybe we could have went inside, grabbed some supplies if they were just right there, or who knows something, but it just seemed awful weird that they chanced it for a possibility of, you know, cutting it that close and maybe not being able to get back. Listener mail. Hello, this is Evan from Clarence, New York. I'm calling to discuss the episode Justice. Firstly, I was blown out of my mind that Young could leave Russia there on the desert planet with no means of survival. I think that Young made a huge mistake leaving him there and that he will soon regret his decision. I also thought it was far too convenient that there was an alien ship on the planet that Rush could potentially use to escape. Secondly, I thought the use of the chair was interesting. When Franklin was sitting in the chair, I was hoping that he would survive and retain the knowledge that he would gain and that later in the second half of season one we would be able to explore the destiny more. Rush trying to frame Young really let us know how far he will go to get things done. He truly believes that the ends justify the means and that sacrificing one life is beneficial to the rest of the crew. Overall, the episode was a great one. Truthfully, I'm still digesting it myself, but all I can say is wow. But now I have to wait till March or April to see the rest, which is infuriating. But so far, the first ten episodes have been excellent, and I cannot wait till the episodes resume, as I will definitely be tuning in. 
Hi guys, this is Thomas from Ontario, and I've just finished watching the SGU episode, Justice, and, um, holy crap! I didn't know Young had it in him. He beat the crap out of a man and then left him on some godforsaken planet, but somehow I don't think we're, we've seen the last of Rush. I think he's going to repair the ship and come back. But another thing I wanted to address was the way Rush was talking before they started the fight. Rush almost sounded like he was he was speaking of a cult, like as if the mission to the destiny was like a religion of his. It just se- seemed weird, like the rantings of an insane man. I don't know if anyone else shares this, but I always thought Rush to be a level-headed character, not this insane. Uh, hi, my name is Sean, and I'm from Ohio, and uh, I just finished watching Justice, and uh, wow, uh, I was not expecting that. You know, it started off as uh, a murder mystery, and I, all I was thinking the whole time was, uh, have we already stooped that low that we're doing a murder mystery already? And then it just became all kinds of good. You know, the whole thing with Rush before, where he made up the whole thing about the Icarus-type planet, I thought that was pretty low. But this thing of, of framing Young and everything was, I, I didn't expect that. And it was it was pretty good. And and then Young, on the planet, kind of pulled a Rush on him, on, on, on Rush, and manipulated it into, you know, to his way. He told everybody a story, just like Rush does. And it was really awesome, yet at the same time, it kind of makes me disappointed in Young. But I don't know. I, I, it's kind of a good thing, though, I guess. You know, it's, he seems more human that way, and I guess that's what the show's going for. Anyways, I uh, love the podcast. Thanks, guys. Hi, this is William from Baltimore, Maryland. I'm calling about justice. It's it's the most target episode since the premiere, and uh, I wanted to add that it's been asking the previous podcast uh, where the crew members were urinating. Uh, it's been said in darkness in the first scene that there were a liquid waste recycling system on board the ship. So I guess the facility must be somewhere, and that's where they do their business. Hi, this is Avi from Chicago. I've got a comment on this, this week's episode, Justice. And uh, I've also got a follow-up to the previous uh, podcast about the sex on SGU. With Justice, I thought it was a very good episode. And they had so much trouble with, uh, you know, with the fingerprints. I would imagine that with the ability of the Kino, they could probably look at the gun and zoom in far enough to see fingerprints and compare those to the fingerprints of the people on the ship. Also, you would think that Eli would have checked his backup copy of it first to see if there was any discrepancies before they let it go to a full-blown hearing, which is another issue I had. They shouldn't be doing an evidentiary hearing to find out what went on and the possibility of that Colonel Young actually committed a murder, but rather they should have done a good, hard investigation with police work and not a congressional-style hearing. But overall, it was a good episode, especially with uh, leaving uh, l- leaving Rush back on the planet, and I'm sure that something will come of Rush and the alien ship that they found. With the uh, sex on SGU, Darren and David got kind of started with body swapping and what happens if you end up getting someone pregnant when you're in someone else's body. With all the sex on SGU, do they have a unlimited supply of condoms on Destiny? Somebody's going to get pregnant at some point in time if they're, you know, all having sex all the time on the on the ship. I wonder how the writers and the show will will deal with that. Hey guys, this is Kenneth from California. 
I just watched Stargate Universe episode Justice. Crazy good episode. I can't believe they actually left Rush behind. Seems like Eli had some uh, growing up in this episode. Plus, we may unlock some secrets in the chair. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do without Rush, but I think Eli is going to be able to step up and take care of things himself. Universe is so much better than Atlantis and SG-1. I'm excited about it. I hope it gets another 10 seasons. Well, that's everything we have to say about Justice, this week's new episode of Stargate Universe. Be sure to catch the next new episode of SGU when it comes back, probably in April, we think, but we're going to watch Sci-Fi Channel's schedule and see when they officially announce it. This is going to be a sad few months. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got ten episodes to, to continue to rehash, which we will certainly do here on the podcast. At least at least I'll have the, the Gate World podcast to get me through the time of At least you'll have the Gate well, World podcast. No, I didn't I didn't exactly. mean it I didn't mean it like that, but I meant so instead of having two hours of new Stargate every month or every week, I'll only have one, which is you guys, instead of a new show and you guys. Well, for full coverage of Justice, head over to Gate World. This is great. Justin on Justice. I just put that together. <laughs> For That's full fun. coverage of Justice, head over to GateWorld.net, and we will have uh, a full transcript of the episode, photos, and a screen capture gallery. We'll have a review of the episode, uh, and you can also head over to GateWorld Forum and talk about it with other fans. Lots to talk about over the next three months. But in the meantime, we're coming up on the holiday break, and sorry, Justin, even the GateWorld podcast has to go on vacation sometime. No! So David's coming back next week, and uh, we're going to have our last show of 2009, and that'll be our Stargate year-in-review show. We'll talk about everything from the Atlantis finale back in January all the way up to the end of SGU's first half. So here's this week's listener question. Justin, you want to read it for us? What is your top Stargate moment of 2009? Nice, easy, straightforward question, your top Stargate moment. This can be something on the show that you watched that was like your favorite holy crap moment of the year, or it could be a a Stargate-related memory that you have going to a convention or having a conversation with somebody or meeting Richard Dean Anderson. I don't know what it was, but your top stargate moment for 2009. Call in to the GateWorld podcast hotline and tell us about it, and we want to play that on next week's show. The number, area code 951 Two six two sixteen forty seven. Or if you live outside the U.S. or don't want to call a phone number, you can record a message on your computer. Keep it uh, keep it short. Keep it to about a minute or two, and email it to webmaster at gateworld.net. So that's next week. Our December sixteenth show is our year in review. We'll take two weeks off for the holidays, and then David and I will be back on January sixth to talk about SGU so far. That's our show for this week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning again. And big thanks to Justin Nolan from the Fifth Race Podcast for sitting in. That was fun. It was a blast. Thanks for having me. So where can we go and find the Fifth Race Podcast? We are at www.thefifthracepodcast.com. Or you can just go to Stargate Podcast. I got that domain, too, stargatepodcast.com. And Justin and Tim are talking about uh, you're into early season five of SG-1 right now. Correct. So really interesting, entertaining discussions all the time. Are you doing the live show anymore? I'm looking for somebody else to do the live show with. I hope to um, start those back up. They won't be live, but I really want to record about Universe 
obviously not live with somebody, but I gotta find somebody in Kansas City that'll do it with me because Tim is obviously can't do it because he would be spoiled too much for the most part. One day I'll find somebody and or I'll get my buddy Phil to come back and we'll do a do it. So I'm hoping to get him started back up. Maybe one of our listeners lives in Kansas City. Hey, that would be cool if there is one of your guys' listeners that is in Kansas City that would like to do a live show on Stargate Universe with me. That would be awesome. You can email me at um, stargatepodcast at gmail.com. There you go. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. Thanks to everybody who called in this week, and we'll see you back here next week for more of the Gate World Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>